Good evening. Psalm chapter 46. Psalm chapter 46. Psalm chapter 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. In verse 5, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I've been thinking about this for a while. Uh, it just really kind of hit me um, this past semester uh, up at Freed Hardeman. God is alive. God is alive. Everything that we do is because of that right there. Everything we did yesterday was because God. Everything we did this morning and right now is because God. Everything we're going to do tomorrow, Lord willing, is because God. Because God is alive. And that means Christianity is real. God is alive. I've been reading through Acts uh, this past semester, and uh, that's just the, th the perspective I got. That's the history of our church. That's the history of what we're doing right now. 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus came to earth and he said, I am God. People said, no, there's no way. Some people said, maybe, I might believe you if you show me something. Some people said, I believe you. I believe you. And 2,000 years later, here we are. God is alive. God is alive. Christianity. What is Christianity to you? To me, for a long time, I thought it was just a game. I thought it was something I could turn on and off. I thought it was a holiday that I could celebrate a day, a year, but it's not. Christianity is every day. It's every moment. It's every person. It's every soul. It's every sin. Every bit of grace that we get from our one and our only Savior, Jesus Christ. God is alive. Where is your heart tonight? Where is your heart tonight? When you wake up in the morning, and I don't know what you guys do to get ready, uh, but surely there must come a point when you look in the mirror, what do you see in the mirror? Do you see somebody that's just exhausted, that's just tired of fighting the fight, that's tired of the temptations, that's struggling? Do you see somebody that's just worn out? Do you look at yourself in the eyes and you just look away? Or do you see somebody that's maybe victorious that says, hey, I'm happy today. This is a new day. I'm excited. What can I do for God? What can God do for me? Let's go and get it. What do you look at when you look in your eyes? What do you see? 
Maybe you go throughout your day and you just try to ignore that, that part of yourself that says, I need to change and I need to get better. But you ignore it. You say, no, I'm happy where I am. I just got to get through this day. I got to work. I got finished with work. I've got a lot on my mind. Where is your heart tonight? That's the first question I wanted to ask you. Where is your heart tonight? You see, only you and God know that answer because only you and God know about your relationship. Only you know where your heart is and he knows it better and he's just waiting on you to say, God, help me. You see, there will come a point in time in everybody's life when we cry out for help and it's not going to be just one time. We're going to be on our knees begging God, help me because I need to change because I, I have let things creep back into my life or there are things that were there that were never there that are there now. God, help me. I don't know what those things are for you. But I do know that when you cry out to God, he's going to be there. In James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's a promise. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Where is your heart tonight? The second question is this. Are you willing to move it? Are you willing to move your heart? Uh, I've always found it interesting. Um, I don't know. Uh, we, we can drive cars for miles. We can, we can uh, ride in trains for hundreds of miles. We can fly airplanes thousands of miles halfway across the world. But it's so much harder to move this little thing right here. Have you, figured, have you, have you noticed that? It's so much harder to move this little thing right here that beats, we call it the heart. Why? Because it hurts. It hurts more than anything else. But are you willing to move it? Where is your heart tonight? And I want you to be honest with yourselves. Where is it tonight? And are you willing to move it from point A to point B? If point A is not where God is and point B is, are you willing to move it? No matter what it takes, no matter how long it takes to get there, are you willing to move it? If you have your Bibles, go ahead uh, to turn over, uh, turn over to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. I just want to share some thoughts about Peter real quick. Peter is one of my favorite apostles. Uh, Luke chapter 22. <clears throat> in Luke chapter 22, we'll start reading in verse 47. <clears throat> Actually, we'll start a little bit earlier in verse 45. Uh, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane right here. It says in verse 45, And when he rose from prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And while he was still speaking, there came a crowd. And the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temples and the elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day by day in the temple, you did not lay your hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. 
Stop right there. Did you catch that? And they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. Why? Why would Peter be following at a distance? Was it maybe to, to, to be out of danger? I think that's exactly right. You see, Peter thought that as long as he was following Jesus, he was okay. As long as he was saying, I can still see you. I'm all good. I'll, I'm going to be out here away from danger. We cannot follow Jesus Christ at a distance. We cannot be followers at a distance. We can't follow him just enough, uh, but not enough to be in any real danger, to not have to, to suffer anything, not to have to sacrifice anything in our lives. Are we following Jesus at a distance? Just enough to not have to give anything up. Jesus Christ did not die for followers at a distance. Jesus died for followers at his side. That's what he died for. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 says, Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Walk in love. Everything is all about love. Christianity is real. Why? Because God is alive. Christianity is real. Why? Because God is alive. And that's why we're here right now. That's why we're here. God is alive. We cannot be followers at a distance. I truly hope that we are living this faith and that we are walking in love. Um, when we are following at a distance, it becomes so much easier to deny, uh, to deny Jesus. Let's go ahead and keep reading. Um, in verse 55, and when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with them. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. If Jesus told you this morning that you were going to deny him five times, what would you say? What would you say? If, if Jesus looked at me this morning and said, Christian, you're going to deny me today, not three times, five times. I would say, Jesus, no, do you know? No, I love you. I dedicated my life to you eight years ago. Don't you realize? God, no, there's no, there is no way I would deny you five times. I'm on fire for you, God. I love you, and you love me. So how could you say that? Then the time comes to stand up for him, and I don't. The time comes for me to do something, and I don't. The time comes for me to not do something, and I do it. I deny him again and again. I pray that we never know the look that Jesus gave to Peter because we're only going to see Jesus one more time. And if it's that look, that's it. I pray that when we do see him, he's got a smile on his face and he says, well done. Come home. When we are following Jesus at a distance, it makes it so much easier to deny him. Peter was following at a distance and there it went. We cannot be followers at a distance. We've got to follow him close. Uh, I look at it as Jesus is kind of like a, a purifying fire. 
The closer we get, the more it burns, but the more it purifies us. And so we just much rather be away from that fire. Sure, it's going to get a little chilly. Maybe we're just enough to be a little warm, but that's not what he called us to be. He called us to be right next to him. He says, be like me. Be like me. Be like my son. Be like Jesus Christ. Stand right here, right here next to me. And it might hurt, but in the end, you're going to be with me. No, Jesus, I'm sorry, it's too hot. Ah, you ever touch your finger on a stove? Oh, I have. In fact, this one and this one, both of them. Mm-hmm. Same time. It's kind of weird. Do not be a follower at a distance. Please, I beg you. Follow Jesus at his side, no matter what it takes. Christianity is real because God is alive. And he's here today. Where is your heart tonight? And are you willing to move it? <clears throat> Where is your heart tonight? Uh, let's turn over to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, please. Mark chapter 8. We're going to start reading in verse 34. Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. I want you guys to remember this. I want you guys to remember that the devil is good at his job. The devil is so good at his job, at what he does. It's called the father of liars. He'll, he'll deceive you. He'll convince you that it's impossible to deny yourself completely. He'll, he'll convince you that it's impossible to follow Jesus at his side. Why? Because that's fire. And we all know you don't play with fire. He'll convince you of that. And he'll do it in a way that just gets you. And through you, he'll get other people. He'll convince you that you cannot deny yourself completely. That watching movies with, with words and curse words and fills our minds, that that's okay. Is it okay? Or is that the thing, or that the, is that the stuff that Jesus died for? And we call it entertainment. Ephesians 5.4 talks about how we should have no filthiness in our mouth, nor crude joking or rude jokes. It says it plainly. And entertainment this day, these days are filled with that. Where do we draw the line? If we are called to be set apart from the world and we live the same, what are we? We're the same. Christianity is real because God is alive and we need to live like that. The devil will convince you that it is impossible to deny yourself. That it is impossible to deny yourself. How much does he mean to you? Jesus, that is. That's the crux of the matter. How much does Jesus mean to you? Is Jesus messing with your life? Is he just there? Is he a stumbling block? Do you think of Jesus and think, oh man, no, I can't, you know. What is he to you? In verse 34 of Mark 8, we'll read it again. It says, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If anyone would come after me, 
That means that there's a choice there, which means you don't have to follow him if you don't want to. But so many of us here have dedicated our lives to him. So many of us here have said, Jesus, I will follow you and I will deny myself. I will sacrifice things in my life that I know should not be there. I will I'll try my best to show others you and what you've given me. But we're so tied down with so many things. Me and my life, I'm tied down with some things that should not be there. And all I can do is cry out and look for a way to say, God, help me. God, help me. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. We deny ourselves. That's what Jesus did for us. And the least we could do is do what he did for us, and that's die to him. We mean the world to him, but what does he mean to us? There was a man who once caught a bird. He loved the bird very much. He loved it almost like a child. And nobody understood why somebody would love a creature far below themselves. But he loved it anyways. And one day that bird bit him, and he was shocked. But he still loved the bird. But again, the next day the bird bit him. And again, and again, and again, day after day, bite after bite, until the man was bleeding. The bird bit him. Yet still, the man loved that bird. But then a day came when there wasn't a moment when the bird did not hurt him. And the man realized what the bird was trying to do. You see, it was trying to escape. And when the man realized that, he began to cry. But you see, he loved that bird. And so he let it go. And when that bird fell, it died. The man caught the bird because its wings were broken. And when the man let it go, it could not save itself. Does it seem like God is only holding us down? Is he just messing with our lives? Matthew chapter 10, 29 through 31 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Is Jesus just messing with our lives? Is he interfering with yours? What does he mean to you? Someday, Jesus Christ, we sang it in a song, someday Jesus Christ will come down. Someday, he will come down. Some of us will go up, some of us will stay. We have got a lot of work to do now. We have got a lot of work to do here while we have the chance. We talk of the second coming, but half the world has never heard of the first coming. Why is it so easy to talk about Jesus inside the building, but so hard outside the building? I love the Mount Judah congregation. I love you guys. A, because you love me. I don't know how. B, because you guys are serving. You're an outreach congregation, and that's beautiful. That is my life, and that's what I want to do. There are so many ministries, so many opportunities, so many uh, servant hearts, and I love that. And more importantly, God loves that, and that's why I love you. There is an amazing work here, but this is what I'm getting at. God is alive. Christianity is real, and Jesus loves us. What does he mean to us? Where is your heart tonight, and are you willing to move it? Are you willing to move it? We cannot be followers at a distance. We gotta get as close to that purifying fire as we possibly can. Because in the end, that fire is the only thing that's going to save us from the real fire that never dies. And that's real too. 
God is alive. And that's a reason to put a smile on your face when you look at yourself in the mirror in the mornings. Because you've got a chance. You've got a chance. And I pray that you take that chance. And I pray that you pray for me to take that chance. Because I need all the prayers I can get. Let's take that chance. Let's keep turning the world upside down. But let's never forget the reason behind it. It's because God is alive. God is alive. If you're here tonight and you are not a Christian, we offer a time now for you to become a Christian. You come forward and confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you would be willing uh, to repent of, of your old life and literally turn around and walk the other way. And then you'd be immersed in water. You'd be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins according to Acts 2, 38, 22, 16. And you live your life anew in Christ Jesus and I'll see you in heaven. If you're here tonight and if you're a member of the body but you're struggling and you don't see a way out and you're drawing near to God and you like prayers, let God help you. Whatever your need is,